I'd like to begin this morning by looking at our Wellspring purpose. So our purpose in meeting together, in case you came this morning and you forgot while you're here, we want to remind each other. Our purpose in meeting together is to equip and encourage the women of Grace Bible Church to shepherd their hearts toward Jesus Christ with the Word of God so that they live gospel-transformed lives thus strengthening the church in its gospel purpose. I hope that you are gaining a greater understanding of the purpose of positioning yourself daily before God in his word so that you can behold God himself. That is what will impact our hearts. And it will impact the way that we think, it will impact the way that we live. And as we are impacted by our time with God, not only are we personally strengthened, but as we come into contact with one another, the entire body will be affected. The church is strengthened. We can't separate those two. We can't think that if we neglect to spend time with God in his word, that that won't impact others. And when we faithfully position ourselves in God's word, it also impacts others. It impacts our own hearts, and it will impact those around us as we come into contact with them. That is how the church is strengthened. So this is our goal in Wellspring. This is what we are after. And we can help one another as we personally grow in uh, progressive sanctification. And that's what we're going to look at this morning as uh, we continue to, to work through this brochure that we, we received last week. So I want you to pull that out along with a handout. If you were taking notes on that handout, if that was helpful to you, then pull both of those out and uh, we'll do just a little bit of review and then we'll go on. So the last time that we were together, we saw the things that were true about us before Christ. What is true about the unregenerate man? And uh, what, what are some of those characteristics that described us before we um, were saved, before we knew Christ? Go ahead and look at that first column and just shout some of them out. We're dead in our sins. Heard that a couple times again this morning, right? What else? Children of wrath. Okay, exactly. Children of wrath. Helpless. Helpless. Slaves. Disobedient. Okay. Slaves. Slaves. Disobedient. No hope. I'm sorry, say that again. No hope. No hope. Absolutely. We had no hope without Christ. And then we looked at the event of regeneration. We talked about some of the benefits that uh, the different components and benefits of that regeneration. So first of all, what were some of the event components that we saw? New birth. Absolutely. We are we are new. What else? We're adopted. Okay, great. United with Christ. The old man is crucified. Absolutely. And then what were some of the regeneration um, the benefits 
the event benefits that we get to enjoy. Loved by God. Mm -hmm. Pay from his wrath. What else? So many of them there. Unable to be separated from Christ. I, I pray that uh, these truths will continue to grow in us an attitude of appreciation and awe for all that God has done for us through the gospel. So this morning we're going to move on and we're going to look at that next blue box where it says the regenerate man. This is where a believer is being made righteous. Okay, We were unrighteous when we were in that unregenerate state. However, at regeneration, God declares us righteous and now we are being made righteous. It is a process. So I know for me that when I was first saved, when I first heard the gospel, and I was an adult, I'd never heard it before, um, but when I first heard the gospel and believed, I understood that um, I had received forgiveness for all of my sins. Um, I knew that when I died or if I were to be raptured that I would um, live eternally with Jesus in heaven. And so I understood that the gospel addressed my past, who I was before Christ. And I knew that the gospel would, would affect my future. But it took some time for me to understand that the gospel has an enormous impact on my life every day in between. The gospel's work in me that gave me a new identity that took me out of that old, unregenerate, unrighteous condition and made me new in Christ, I mean, new creation, that that also provides for me, provides for you, a new way to live in Jesus. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning as we look at the, uh, at the regenerate man. This is the new condition of one who is in Christ. So let's um, real quickly review um, by looking at the top there. You see those three figures? Again, those figures change from a mixed gray to yellow as you move from the, le from, uh, the left to the right. And again, that represents the process of sanctification, where we are being conformed into the image of Christ. So we start off as believers we come into the Christian life with residue of, of old sinful patterns in our life. And that's why you see that figure on the left is more gray than yellow. That's what we look like when we first get saved. But as we grow in Christ, we become more and more like Jesus. We grow in holiness. We find that we're doing different things with our outer members than we did before God saved us as our inner man is being renewed. So you'll see underneath those figures that it says, accomplished once and for all by God, but being renewed day by day in progressive sanctification. So last week, again, under the regenerate regeneration event component, we looked at positional sanctification, where God once and for all 
in an event made us holy in his sight. We, this is where he declares us to be holy. But here we're looking at progressive sanctification. It's a process in which we are being made righteous. See, our entrance into the Christian life is an entrance into the process of transformation. It begins at justification and it will end at glorification. So unlike positional sanctification, which has one set of fingerprints on it, whose fingerprints are those? God's. Here, as we look at progressive sanctification, there are two sets of fingerprints, God's and ours, because we participate in progressive sanctification. So we must never buy into the deception that progressive sanctification doesn't take any effort on our part. God is still active. It is his work, but it is his work in which we participate. So now look down just a little bit further in that blue section where it says the regenerate man. And then under that, in parentheses, you'll notice that it says mixed condition process of progressive renewal. Now, what do we mean by that? What do we mean by mixed condition? I think it's helpful to think of this mixed condition um, from two different vantage points, from our position and from our practice. Our position that we have now before God is unmixed. It is unchanging. Our position before God is perfect. We have been declared righteous. We saw that last week as we looked at the event of regeneration. But when we consider our practice, our walk with Christ, it's not perfect, is it? It is mixed. So though we are perfect in position, we are imperfect in practice. In this regenerate condition, we find ourselves with new desires for Jesus, new desires now to obey and to please him. And in this condition, we also find that there is still indwelling sin. That indwelling sin no longer rules us as it did when we were in the unregenerate state, but it does still reside in us. We are in a sinfully weak, faltering condition. However, unlike in the, in the unregenerate man, there's friction within us. There's a struggle within. We desire to obey God, right? And yet, at times, we still find ourselves giving in to sinful desires. Jenna opened us up with that thought this morning. And we also find that when we do sin, that there's conviction within. And we desire to turn from that sin. So that's what we mean by mixed condition. It's a new condition that we never had before. And it's better than what we had before. But it's not as good as it's going to someday be when we're with Jesus. But it's the condition that God has ordained for us right now. For his glory. So what is this mixed condition characterized by? Go ahead and pull this back out. And you'll see um, the first two things listed there. 
on your chart. Um, they go together, the unchanging realities accomplished at regeneration and the pervading benefits of regeneration. Okay, that's what we looked at last week when we looked at the regeneration benefit. And we uh, just reviewed some of those as well. These are things that will always be true for the believer. We are a new creation. We have been set apart for God. We have been declared righteous. We have been adopted. The old man has been crucified. And we get to enjoy the pervading benefits of regeneration. We are loved by God. We have confident access to God. We are under grace. We have peace with God. And all of the others that you see down at the bottom of the chart. And then the next thing that you'll see is that we now have in our regenerate state a new identity in Christ. We are no longer characterized by the characteristics that we saw in that very left-hand panel in the unregenerate man. We are identified by new characteristics. Now, for those of you who are new, um, Smedley preached a sermon in August 31st of last year where he challenged our church body not to allow divisions to creep in and uh, to uh, divide us as a body. And in that message, he reminded us of our identity in Christ in which we share as believers. And I wanted to read just a few of these. If you haven't listened to that message for a while, I just encourage you to, to uh, listen to it. Print these out. I mean, this is what he went over. All This, this all is our identity in Christ. But I just wanted to read a few of them. We're forgiven. We're saved from wrath. We're under the reign of grace. We are slaves of righteousness. We're slaves of God. We are uncondemnable. We are inseparable from the love of God. We're now the body of Christ. We are set apart in Christ Jesus. We are a spiritual people. We have the mind of Christ. We are brothers and sisters to each other. We're a new creation. We walk in flesh, but not according to the flesh. We are clothed with Christ. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We are lavished in the riches of God's grace. We are greatly loved by God. We are God's workmanship. We are created to walk in the good works God prepared for us. We are citizens of heaven. We are qualified to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. We are rescued from darkness. We are transferred into the kingdom of Jesus. Our conscience has been cleansed from dead works to serve God. We have confident access to God through Jesus. We've been chosen to obey Jesus according to the foreknowledge of God by the sanctifying work of the Spirit. We're partakers of the divine nature. We are those who have escaped the corruption of the world. We've been cleansed from sin by the blood of Jesus. We've been called the children of God. We've passed out of death into life. We are now ones who keep God's commandments. We are ones who have overcome the world. 
We are kept for Jesus, and we are preserved to stand in God's presence, blameless and with great joy. Aren't those great reminders of who we now are in Christ? We have a new identity. And then you'll see that the, the regenerate man is also characterized by the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This fruit characterizes the lives of those who belong to God as God's Holy Spirit indwells each believer and produces his fruit in them. This is what people ought to see as they look at our lives. Next we see that the regenerate man is characterized by good works. Titus 2.14 tells us that Christ gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed, deed and purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good deeds. Our deeds used to reflect our sinful condition, whereas now, because of God's work of regeneration, they reflect his work in us. And the result of that work is that we are now careful to engage in good deeds that honor him. So we see that the believer now has an ability to obey God. God has set us free from slavery to sin and has provided us with everything that we need to live obedient lives. Romans 6.4 tells us, Therefore we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Just as sin characterized our old life, obedience now characterizes our new life. Now this is not a self-justifying obedience, as if we could ever earn anything from God. We can't earn acceptance from him, but rather this is a love-driven obedience. In 1 John 4.21, Jesus said, whoever has my commands and what? Obeys them. He is the one, she is the one who loves me. So the believer has the ability to obey God, to love God, and yet, there is still a proneness to sin. And that's next on the chart. Galatians 5.17 tells us, For the flesh set its desires against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another. So there is a war raging in us. We still live in the sinful flesh, and God's Holy Spirit is in us, resides in us. So what does that mean? There is going to be conflict, right? There, there's a war that rages in us because the flesh opposes the work of the Spirit, and yet the flesh tempts the believer toward sinful behavior. That's why we call this the mixed condition. 
Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 tells us that we are still easily entangled by sin. And so there is a battle, there is a fight within as we grow in our conviction of sin. Part of that battle will be seen in ongoing repentance, and you'll see that on the chart. 1 John 1, 8, 9 says that if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. A believer is marked by turning away from sin and turning to God. Agreeing with God about their sin the very sin that God continues to help them see in their lives. And not just to see it, not just to acknowledge it, to be, but to be able to turn away from it. And this mixed condition is also characterized by ongoing faith. Let's see that next. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. The regenerate man has the privilege of Christ indwelling him and empowering him and helping him to live by faith. And then finally we see that the believer in this mixed condition is characterized by progress in Christ-likeness. So go ahead and turn with me to 2 Corinthians 3, 18. Paul says, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. So let's break this down. Who is this verse addressing? How does he start? We all, something's from the South, we all, all believers. And what is the distinctive about us as believers? What does it say? We have unveiled faces. The veil of unbelief has been removed from us at conversion. And what is being done to believers? We are being transformed. How? By beholding the glory of the Lord Jesus. Okay, that's our responsibility. No one else can do that for us. We behold the gospel, which reflects the glory, um, the glory of the Lord. Just like a mirror reflects, as we look at the gospel, the gospel reflects the glory of the Lord. And so who's doing the transforming? The Spirit, yes, God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is the one who transforms us into the image of Jesus. 
So we are progressing into Christ's likeness as we behold his glory as the Holy Spirit works in us. Now look at 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though our outer man is decaying, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. God is at work in us to renew us, to grow us, to conform us into the image of Jesus. He is committed to that work from the day that he saves us until we are with him in glory. Now, the next reference um, that I want to mention is not on your chart, but you may want to write this in. Romans 8.29 says, For those whom he foreknew, he predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son. All that God did in the event of regeneration has such a powerful ongoing impact in the believer that they will change. They will grow. And they become more and more like Christ. Just as you see those figures at the top, it changes in color from gray to yellow as he is growing in holiness, as he's conformed into the image of Jesus. So that is what characterizes the believers. All of the realities and benefits of the gospel, our identity in Christ, the fruit of the Spirit, good works, obedience, repentance, faith, growing in Christ-likeness, as well as the sobering reality that we are prone to sin. We are weak because we are in a mixed condition. So, practically speaking, why is it important for us to know this? What does this then require of us? We are in Christ. We never want to forget that. But we also must not forget that we still live in this sinful flesh. We are still capable of great sin and great error. And so because of that, the mixed condition of the regenerate man requires God's relentless transformation of the believer as well as our own diligent pursuit of holiness. And you see those in the chart as well. Philippians 2, 12 and 13 puts these together. It says, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but how much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. See, the whole reason that we can pursue holiness is because God is at work in us. And that is what we must have in this mixed condition. We must have God's relentless work to transform us into the image of his Son. And because he is at work in us to will and to work for his good pleasure, we must diligently pursue holiness. Now, I want you to, I want you to turn with me to 2 Peter 1. We're going to look at verses 
5 through 8. 2 Peter 1, 5 through 8. Peter writes, now, for this very reason. So what's he referring to? You need to go back up to verse 3. That his divine power has granted to us a little bit, a few things. Everything pertaining to life and godliness. Through the true knowledge of him who called us. Therefore, now verse 5, or for this very reason... So something we're to do, this is our part, apply all diligence. So it's clear from scripture that we are not passive in this life, right? This is a command here. We are to be diligent on the basis of God giving us everything that we need. We are to put on. We are to supply moral excellence. And in our moral excellence, supply knowledge. And in our knowledge, self-control. And in our self-control, perseverance. And in our perseverance, godliness. And in our godliness, brotherly kindness. And in our brotherly kindness, love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, such an abundance of his divine grace calls for total dedication. That's what is meant by applying all diligence. The Christian life is not lived to the honor of God without diligent effort, without diligent pursuit of holiness. So how are you doing in your pursuit of holiness? Are you living humbly and obediently toward God? We just read that we've been given everything that we need to sustain our growth and perseverance. We have every spiritual resource that we need to grow in holiness. So let's be diligent to pursue holiness, and let's be encouraging one another to diligently pursue holiness of life. And then next we see that the mixed condition of the regenerate man also requires the believer's wariness about indwelling sin. The person without Christ, the unregenerate person, that person is not concerned about indwelling sin. And they're not concerned about their offense to God. And no one in the, in the uh, unmixed, glorified condition, that one that you see ver- to the very right of the chart, will be concerned about indwelling sin. Why? There won't be any. Yes. There is no sin. Indwelling sin will be gone at that point. But... The believer in our mixed condition can be and must be wary, very cautious, and alert to indwelling sin. And then finally, the mixed condition of the regenerate man requires the believer's serious perseverance. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 13, the one who endures to the end 
will be saved. This is a mixed condition that requires that we endure, that we persevere in the faith until the end. Now, Scripture tells us that Jesus will lose none whom the Father has given to him. But one of his means for accomplishing that is to exhort us to hold fast to the faith, to persevere. By God's grace, the true believer will persevere in the faith. Now let's look at the key descriptions of this new condition. We've seen that this is a mixed condition in which we are able not to sin. Before, we didn't have that ability but now, because of what God has accomplished in regeneration, we not only have the ability not to sin, but we are able to please God. It's next on your chart. We now have the ability to walk in a manner that is pleasing to God, to grow in our love for Him and our devotion to Him. And then next we see that there is a fight within in which we can fight against sin. We can get entangled with sin. And we do, don't we? But we can be set free from that entanglement. And so we fight for Jesus to grow in our love for him and our obedience to him. We fight for Christ to be displayed in our lives. And then the next key description is that this new creation is now enslaved to God. He is our new master. We are slaves of righteousness and obedience. What was our old master? Remember? Sin. We were enslaved to it. But because of God's work of regeneration, we are now enslaved to God, to righteousness, and to obedience. And yet, we are reminded in this mixed condition, as we look at that next key description, that residual sin and regeneration are evident in all our faculties, our thoughts, our emotions, our motives, our actions. In the unregenerate state, a key description is that sin ruled all of who we were, all of it. But now, as those who are regenerate, our mixed condition is evident in us. Every part of the believer's life shows evidence of the gospel's work, and every part shows residue of sinful flesh. What does that tell you? Does it tell you what your heart needs most? See, the good news is, and this is the next key description, that we now are able to shepherd our heart away from sin and to God. And we must. We must. And how are we able to do that? How do we shepherd our hearts? Someone please? With the word of God. Because we live in this mixed condition, 
we see that our hearts are in desperate need for God to help us to fight sin. And so we bring our hearts before God. We bring them to his word to grow us in our knowledge of him, which results in then our trust of him. And it grows us in our affection for him. He's provided us with his word out of his love and care for us to guide our hearts to him and away from sin. And then our final key description is that we are no longer under God's wrath or judgment. Now, stop and think just for a moment the contrast with the unregenerate man who we were unregenerate man is under God's wrath and judgment. Romans 5.9 tells us because we've been justified by his blood, we are saved from the wrath of God. We will never experience God's wrath. Though we deserve it. Why? Because his wrath has been satisfied by a substitute in our place. Jesus brought, bought us with his, blood, with his blood. He has made us righteous. Do you see the, the amazing grace that God has granted to us? Are you overwhelmed by such undeserved kindness? These truths ought to overwhelm our hearts. And yet, we might ask ourselves, why is this new creation so mixed? We are loved so lavishly in the gospel. We are so completely transformed that no part of that unregenerate man remains. The old is gone. And yet... We are so very weak, so prone to sin, so prone to wander. Do you ever wonder why? Well, God tells us why. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 4, and we're going to look at verses 6 and 7. And you might add that to your as a reference on your sheet, too, that isn't on there. It says, for God who said, light shall shine out of darkness. Because he's referring to Genesis 1 there. Creation. He's saying the creator is the one who has shown in our hearts. Why? To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. He has shown into our hearts so that we would understand the glory of God in the face of Christ. He's talking about the gospel. Okay, that's regeneration. And now verse 7, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We are weak earthen vessels with this great treasure inside. God's power is in us. That describes the mixed condition. Before, we were just weak earthen vessels. 
with no power. But now we are earthen vessels with God's power through the gospel at work in us. Now, why did God do it this way? Let's continue to look at verse 7. We have this treasure in earthen vessels so that the, surpa the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not ourselves. See, God designed it this way to display the surpassing greatness of his power. God, in his holiness, in his glory, determined that in saving us, he would put us in this mixed condition where we will still sin so that we'll draw near to him and depend on him. And as we battle sin and repent when we do sin, his power will be seen in us in a way that it never would have been if he had saved us straight into glory. See, the fact that we are fighting against sin shows us daily how desperately we need Jesus. And that's so much better than we, when we couldn't see our need for him and when we had no desire to even fight against sin. Isn't that helpful to understand? In the midst of battling sin, we can actually be encouraged that we are battling. And God is using the battle to make us more like his son. See, the fight is evidence of new life. Remember, before Christ, there was no battle. But now, there is. We battle against sin. So why do you think God put us in a condition that needs to be renewed? Because it gives him the opportunity to display the surpassing greatness of his power as we battle sin. See, the fight, the process, the waiting gives us opportunity to bring him glory. So how are you doing in your fight against sin? God, in his kindness, has given us many motivations to battle sin. We just saw that one of them was so that the greatness of his power would be displayed in us as we participate in this sanctification process. And then another is knowing what is to come. So let's look at what we have to look forward to. The heavenly man. We will one day live in another kind of unmixed condition. When we die or when we're raptured. So on the right hand side of that chart, you see the blue heavenly man column. The heavenly man is in an unmixed sinless condition. He has been made righteous. You see where it says that to the right there? Growth in holiness is complete. 
And then at the bottom of the chart, you see those three gray triangles. Um, so you see where it says death, rapture, and resurrection, and then there's a description under each one of those. Um, remember that the, these again describe um, what are, are happening up at the top. We just put them down there for um, the sake of space. So under the key description of death, you see that death for the believer is departing from the land of the dying and going home to be with the Lord. We will be unseparated from Jesus. For the believer, this is gain. And then the next triangle is rapture. If we are living when Christ comes, we get to skip death. Christ will come and catch up believers with him in the air to be with him. And our bodies will be instantly transformed into glorified bodies. Our inner man will be completely righteous. And then the resurrection is for those who have died. When Christ returns, the dead in Christ will receive new physical glorified bodies. And those bodies will then be, will be reunited with their completely sanctified inner man. 1 Corinthians 15, 42-48 describes the new resurrection bodies. See, these weak, perishable, perishable bodies that we have now will be gone. In their place, we will have imperishable, glorious bodies that will never die, that will never sin. They will be perfectly suited for praising and serving God forever. And so we see that the heavenly man is at home with the Lord. We will resemble Jesus. I want you to turn with me to 1 John 3, 2. It says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. Isn't that amazing to you? We will see Jesus and we will experience ultimate conformity to his likeness. That is quite a hope that we have. And understanding something about our future hope, Christ coming again and raising us from the dead and giving us glorified bodies that will be perfectly suited for praising and serving him forever helps us think rightly about our pursuit of godliness now. Look at verse 3. It says, Everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. We're going to see Jesus face to face and we're going to be like him. And so what does this mean? Does it mean because that's going to happen anyway, we can be careless? 
doesn't matter how we live now. What does scripture say? It says, he who has this hope purifies himself. Now, why would we do that? Why would we purify ourselves to meet Jesus? We could look at it this way. Why does a bride prepare for her wedding? Is it to earn her groom's affections? Of course not. A bride prepares for her wedding because of the love that she and her groom already share. And because of that love, she anticipates that day when she will enter into a whole new season of relationship with him. Similarly, our obedience doesn't earn a righteous standing with God. It doesn't earn forgiveness. In fact, any attempt to establish our own righteousness before God is an offense to him. Rather, by God's grace, by the power of his Holy Spirit, a believer wants to purify herself and labors to purify herself because of the love that Christ already has, she already has for Christ, because of what Christ has already done, and because of our future hope, because of our future relationship, knowing that we will be with Jesus forever. We want to be ready, just like a bride wants to be ready for her groom. So let's look at what else we have to look forward to. It says, is seen for what he really is in Christ. Colossians 3, 4 says, when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. In glory means in our glorious state. There will be a like Jesus revealing. See, sanctification is our position now, but then it will be our continual perfect practice. There will be no tension in that unmixed heavenly condition. Our desire and our motive and our practice will all be perfected. We will be blameless and full of joy. There will be no death or sadness, no curse or night. Now we live under the curse. But Revelation 22, 3 tells us that, there, that then there will no longer be any curse. God will never judge sin again because sin won't exist. Now let's look at the key description of this new condition. We will once again live in an unmixed condition of the best kind. It will not be mixed with any perishable or corruptible qualities. We will be in an unmixed life. There'll be no trace of death, no trace of sin. It will be an absolutely glorious, unmixed condition. In fact, we will be unable to sin. We will be unable to displease God. 
Can you imagine what that's going to be like? There will be no fight within. Why? We won't need it. Because we are going to be perfectly enslaved to God. In practice, perfectly enslaved to God. We will only delight in the privilege of serving him continually. We will have perfect righteousness in all of our faculties. Think about that. Perfect in our thoughts. Perfect in our emotions. In our motives. Our actions will be perfectly pure. We will no longer need to shepherd our hearts away from sin and to God. Because we won't even be tempted to sin. We will be enveloped in God's joy. What does your heart do when you hear this? When you hear all of these glorification realities? See, God's word often points to glorification. To strengthen and preserve us in times of trial and temptation. See, preaching these truths to our hearts relaxes our grip on this world. And it helps us to marvel in the great salvation that God has purchased for us. Because it is so much bigger than we can see now. If it isn't your practice to rehearse these truths in your own hearts when you remember the gospel, then can I just encourage you to invest some time to learn and to think about these truths. As you do, you will treasure these wonderful promises and they'll become part of shepherding your heart. Now, how can a person have this kind of hope? How could we ever move out of what we saw over in that left-hand column and now have all of this to look forward to? It's all because of the gospel. And so with our eyes fixed on the hope to come, as we now live as regenerate women in this mixed condition, we acknowledge the fight within. We battle against sin. And we fight for obedience. And how do we do that? Discipline number one. We prayerfully shepherd our heart toward God through the word of God and in particular the gospel. We come to God with his word open before us. We say, God, I need you desperately. I have your word open before me so that I can draw near to you. I need you today because I understand this mixed condition in which I live. See, this is how we prepare ourselves for a day of walking with Christ, finding our joy in him and 
obeying him. We do this because we are weak. Sin can make our hearts grow cold. It can make us become indifferent to Jesus if we do nothing. And so we fight to shepherd our heart every day. We get up and we remind ourselves of of who we once were. And we remind ourselves that Christ is coming again. And we remind ourselves that we need to be renewed. And we need God's relentless transforming work in our lives. And we pray, God, make my heart warm toward you today. Because we understand that we don't need to feed sin for it to grow. Right? It just does that. That's why we start with discipline number one. Prayerfully shepherding our hearts to the word of God to get the God of the word. This is what we will be encouraging and equipping one another to do all year long and for the rest of our lives. Let's pray. Father, we we come to you with hearts that are full of gratitude and awe. Father, we thank you for the reminder that we were indeed once dead in our sins. We were without any hope. And we're reminded that you rescued us from the domain of darkness and you transferred us into the kingdom of your beloved Son in whom we have the forgiveness of sins. And that you and your perfect plan have placed us in this mixed condition so that we'll depend on you, that we will learn to fight against sin, so that you can display the surpassing greatness of your power in us. Father, thank you. Thank you for the promise that we know that one day we will be with you. And when we are, we will be perfectly suited for praising and serving you forever. But Father, until that day, I pray, I plead with you that we will be faithful to participate in our progressive sanctification, that we will be diligent to shepherd our hearts through your word and recognize all that you have provided for us through the gospel. And Father, that that would motivate us to live lives that are pleasing to you. Father, we pray this for your glory. We pray it in the name of your Son, who has given us this life. In Jesus' name, amen.